Hi, this is Jim Brangenberg, the host of the I Work For Him radio show. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast, where we discuss our workplace as our mission field. The live version of our show can be heard each weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern on AM 570 and 910 WTBN, locally in the Tampa Bay area, and worldwide on the web at letstalkfaith.com or iHeartRadio. Our website, iWorkForHim.com, has great resources on how you can learn about how your workplace can be your mission field. And also check out the sponsors that bring you the radio show each and every day. And while you're there on I Work For Him, click on the I Work For Him Nation flag and prayerfully consider joining the I Work For Him Nation. Join thousands around the globe praying for their coworkers and employees by name each and every day. That's IWorkForHim.com, IWork, the number four, Him.com. Remember, your workplace is your mission field, and in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Thanks again for listening. I hope this broadcast will make an impact on your life so that you'll never look at your workplace the same again. Let's get to today's show. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. Thanks for tuning into I Work For Him today. As you listen to us so many different ways in so many different places right here in Tampa Bay, on the radio in five, three different ways. And maybe you're listening online on letstalkfaith.com or iHeartRadio. Maybe you're listening on Red Nation Rising. Perhaps you're listening to Google Play, Stitcher, or iTunes Podcast. However you hear the show today, know that we have prayed before the show that something we say will cause you to just pause for a minute. And draw you to your knees in front of your Heavenly Father and ask that question, Lord, how do I take what I'm learning today and apply it to what I'm doing every day in my workplace? You see, I believe in my humble opinion, and sometimes I can be humble, I understand, but in my humble opinion, I think we have a crisis in this country. We have a crisis in the church in this country, but really overall in the entire country. We have forgotten how to pass on to the next generation. Mentoring and discipling within the church has is a lost art, or it's a being fast being lost. Yet it is the example that our Savior, Jesus Christ, set for us. Who's going to start it back up again? Who's going to get it going? How do we do it? What is, does it look like? Is it really important, or is it just Jim Brangenberg's opinion on I work for him? Well, today... We've got two experts on this subject. We've got Grant Skeldon and we got Christy Crock. They're both with the the Initiative Network, which is based out of Dallas, but is exploding and expanding all over the country. Grant and Christy, welcome to I Work for Him. Hey, thanks for having us, Jim. Yeah, glad to be here. You know, I really want to talk about mentoring and discipleship and what you guys are doing with your program that you call The 72. But first, Christy, ladies first, as you look at 2017 and you look at what the Lord is doing in your life or what you'd like to see the Lord do in your life, when you look at the remainder of what's left of this year, what would you like to see most transformed about yourself when it comes to our Heavenly Father? Yeah, I love that. Something that really resonates with me that I think about a lot is the concept of the Christian role to push back darkness. Um, I care a lot about the city that I'm in right now, Dallas. Uh, shout out to D-Town. And um, whenever I think about transformation in the city, often I think about, again, the concept of pushing back darkness. But I really think it starts uh, before pushing back darkness um, in different social issues, whether that's poverty or anti-human trafficking. Um, it really begins in our hearts. We are first called to push back darkness in our own hearts, um, and then that spreads out into our um, close communities, and from there, it expands to the city. And so it's kind of a, a snapshot of something I care about, but it is 
what I hope the Lord continues to do in my heart, and then even explosive um, into the, the places that I walk and talk every day. I love that. Push back that darkness. I love that, Chrissy. It's great. Now, Grant, what about you? You've already been asked this question earlier this year on an earlier show. So when you yeah. sit down with your accountability person, when you sit down with a person that asks you tough questions, what is it that he asks you to grant, this is what I really want you working on. This is something I see as a real need in your life. This is something I see you should really submit to the Lord. What does he say to you? Uh, usually it's always has to do with my relationship. I'm single. I've been single for five years until about a little over a year ago. I started dating a girl, and that girl is on staff. And so uh, it gets very unique. But it's definitely what it looks like to be a godly man and to lead not only the organization, but in a relationship. That's fantastic. And to set an example for all those that you guys are inputting your lives into. So today we're talking with two people who I have grown to love this ministry out of Dallas, Texas, called the Initiative Network. Initiativenetwork.org. Initiativenetwork.org. I ran into Grant Skeldon in Dallas about four and a half months ago, and, and I got to hear from his heart. And here's what my passion is. My passion is we need to engage the next generation. And Grant and Christy Kroc are part of this next generation, as we and they understand that discipleship and mentoring are so key. Grant and Christy, welcome back to I Work For Him. Hey, good to be back. What's up? All right, so let's let's talk, Grant, just really quickly. What is the Initiative Network all about? Basically, in response to millennials being labeled uh, noncommittal, transient, uh, lazy, uh, slacktivist, uh, narcissistic, and we can go on and on. In response to all that, uh, we desire to form young local missionaries who are Christ-loving, city-changing, church-investing, and disciple-making in the city of Dallas. So, Grant, I understand this is something you helped found. You're one of the founders of the Initiative Network, but Christy, what brought you there? Yeah, I had the great fortune to be Grant's friend before <laughs> before Initiative began. We actually did some nonprofit work together uh, with a like a local missions, coaching churches, how to do local missions beforehand. And so whenever the Lord gave Grant the vision for initiative and, and the resources to walk forward in it, in it, he asked me to be a part from the very beginning. So it's been really cool to see how the Lord's been faithful over the, over the past three years. And he's had a lot of grace and a lot of favor, um, and we praise him a lot for it. And I love that. Now, you mentioned that you happen to have the privilege of being Grant's friend. Are you that Grant's friend that he was talking about at the beginning when he talks was accountability person? I am sure not. Okay. Everybody's right. so just... a great joy. <laughs> oh, <that's good. laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely not. I'm just... Um, at... Excuse my roommate. We're all very close. <laughs> okay. That's fair. I understand you're working when you're working closely together. We just figured if there's something we need to bring out on national radio, we'd take care of it today. No. All right. <laughs> you, you guys have this program called The 72. Grant, just describe the mission behind The 72. The clearest mission would be to uh, impact culture, or like uh, Christy said, is to push back darkness in the culture of Dallas. Uh, we felt like m- the seminaries are basically training pastors for the church, and no one's really training missionaries for the world. Um, let's say, that's what I love about what you do, Jim, is you're uh, talking to those who are missionaries in the business world, and uh, we want to train up missionaries in politics and education that are impacting the family that are impacting arts and entertainment. And so we say we would be an alternative training 
uh, for diverse millennial leaders in Dallas who want to impact the culture where the church seems to have led in the world uh, train those leaders. We want to take that back. Well, and you're not doing it with people that are... I, I looked at the pictures of people that are that have gone through 72. You're mostly dealing with young people. Isn't that correct? Yes, yes, absolutely. And, and what I love about that is that you're not wasting time for people to go ahead down their own, hey, I'm going to pursue you know, uh, re- uh, just ridiculous uh, money and possessions. You're trying to grab people right when they're young and they're fresh and they're open to new ideas and saying, hey, yeah. this is what this is really about. Jesus didn't call us to conquer a bank account. He called us to conquer the world. He called us to be fishers of men. He called us to be light in a dark world, he called us to be salt in this world, and and, and so you're grabbing those people, and I, I love that you're pushing back culture because we've—I don't know. This is my perspective from a 50-year-old guy, a guy that's almost twice your age. We lost the culture battle in so many different sectors because we never fought. Hmm. I mean, what do you, what do you yeah. re- respond yeah. to that? Am I wrong? Or am I am I off the am I off base or not? Yeah, I think that uh, the two options we kind of chose was we could either reject culture um, instead of what we're trying to choose, and I feel like this generation chooses is instead of rejecting culture, why don't we try to redeem culture? And so these guys would be millennial missionaries that are redeeming the culture of Dallas. I love that. Don't reject culture, redeem culture. And Jesus told us, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus told us, I can't, I come to restore all things including culture but it starts with each one of our hearts and it starts with each one of our minds and we have to be open to what he wants to do with us and each one of us is gifted with a unique set of gifts talents and abilities what is your part in this whole process find out more about the 72 and more about the initiative network online at initiativenetwork.org ladies and gentlemen listen to i work for him today wherever you are listening and we know you are listening around the world we are surrounded by people who are in pain. Whether you're sitting in traffic right now, if you're in Tampa Bay today, you're sitting in traffic right now because it's raining at rush hour. But if you've got pain, he's a pain taker. And we are surrounded by so many people that are in pain and they don't know what the answer is. They think that drugs will make it better or alcohol will make it better or relationships will make it better or something. But nothing takes the pain away. But Jesus, Jesus is that answer that so many people are asking the question. They just don't know the answer. And so we go on the air every day to talk about the fact that you and me, we may be the only Jesus our coworkers, our employees, our neighbors, our friends, our family may ever meet. The Initiative Network out of Dallas is being very intentional with a program they call The 72 in training up people to take back culture. And, and Grant and Christy, I, what I love about this 72 is that this is not just, hey, anybody that applies can get into this program. Grant, this is a pretty tough program to get into, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We we believe in the philosophy uh, that came out of um, Henry Blackaby's thinking and exploring God, I believe, or experiencing God when he says, go where God is already moving. And so a lot of times the misconception is that just any young adult joins and we make them this great leader. And the reality is we take some of the best and they have to prove they're impacting business, education, politics, one of those areas. And so I see it as us uh, pouring gasoline on fires that God has already started. Oh, I love that. Now, Christy, when you looked at being involved, Grant got this this vision for the Initiative Network, and you said, I want to be part of that. And you're an operations kind of person. You've got that, you know, Grant's the visionary guy. He's always come up with 100 new ideas every day, and you're the you're the person that can put those ideas into action. You're, you're the You're the... 
you're the meat behind the potatoes. You know, he's got the cheesy potatoes and you're the and you're the meat and the fork and the knife and everything. So what is your role and, and why are you so passionate about being involved in the initiative network? Yeah, something we talk about is how culture is caught and not taught, or a lot more effectively caught than it is taught. Um, so through through the beginning stages of initiative, uh, where we were a little bit more mobilization focused, we created such an intentional and honed culture that focused on prayer, that focused on discipleship. And it was really cool at the beginning stages to see personal life change for me, myself, but also for our staff. And we really realized, man, if we can raise up young adults across the city who carry this culture, uh, that'll really change the city. And it's kind of funny to us sometimes because we forget that it's so unique to have a culture that is Christ-loving and city-changing and church-investing and disciple-making. Because our staff is so in it and does it all the time, we begin to feel like it's normal. And then people who have the same heartbeat, but have never been in a community with the same heartbeat, whenever they join, they express so much thanks and gratitude. They're like, man, I prayed for people like you. Um, and we also get to raise the standard of, of what it means to walk in obedience to the Lord um, as a business person, as a teacher. Um, so that's really uh, part of the reason why I um, find so much deep satisfaction in being able to be a part of initiative. So what do you do to make the initiative network powerful? What, what is it? What is your gifting that you said, Grant, here's the gifting I've got. I can help. What, what is it that you do? She's not going to say this, but she holds us accountable like crazy to those values. <laughs> Why wouldn't she say, Christy, yeah. come on, it's okay to say <laughs> stuff. This is this is live radio. It's okay. We can, we can grant, no, he's a visionary. Anybody who says he's a visionary knows that they're not the meat and potatoes guy, that they're, that they're not the people getting the things running down the road. They know they come up with good ideas and they have to surround themselves with people who can put those ideas into action. That's what a visionary does. Yeah, so Grant is very much the guy that he's going to go 100 miles an hour, but he's going to go in the in the direction he's already pointed, even though we need to go, like, 20 feet to the left. Um, so a lot of what I do is accountability. Um, there have been seasons where our staff has lacked in one category more than the other. For example, the city-changing aspect of our, of our culture is something that we're still exploring. What, is it, what exactly does it look like to be city-changing? Um, and so I, uh, me along with another uh, staff member, talk a lot with our team, like, hey, how can we better exemplify this culture? Um, but, of course, we're an organization as well, and so there's a lot of accountability of, hey, we have a, a responsibility to make these values manifest for our 72 people. And right now we're, like, not killing it in this area. And so what can we do uh, to make that better? So I do a lot of strategy and and um, development, stuff like that, just to make sure that we're on track and we're, be, we're being obedient to the vision that the Lord's given us. Well, and I think, Grant, what's really impressive to me is that we're, we're talking, we've got we got millennials in here. We're mostly chasing after people that are in their 20s and early 30s that are involved in the 72. But as you stated on the on the website, initiativenetwork.org, this is a pretty diverse group. Talk about how diverse this group is. Yeah, so the 72 represent, they average around 40 different churches each year. And so they come from a lot of different cities. And just to talk about why that's so important is um, I, I think that we're seeing a lot of problems with millennials today, but if we think that it's bad now, I, you, we will not be able to even uh, believe what I think it's going to be like for this Z generation or digital generation that's coming after millennials, because 
they are going to grow up in so much diversity because millennials already have, but they are even more. And so if in 10 years the church does not become more diverse um, and really be one like uh, God the Father and the Son and the Spirit are one, and it's like Jesus says, then it's going. the church is going to look so hypocritical. And I, I liken it to um, if you were to go to a gym and they cost so much money because it's a high standard to be a part of this gym, and it's, uh, but you go in and everyone's overweight, you're not going to want to really be a part of that gym. And, and when the Church is not diverse and it says we are the Ministry of Reconciliation, it just looks so hypocritical. So uh, what we're doing is, for 20-somethings, we're allowing them to build family relationships across the body from 40 different churches each year, and really uh, normalize the idea that we are one body, and we ser- seek first His kingdom more than our one castle. And that uh, hopefully will continue to go on for the rest of these guys' lives, and then impl- impact the, the Z generation also. Well, and you say the Z generation. I love that. I know that they haven't really come up with a great nickname for them yet, but I, the digital generation, it's true. I mean, they don't know anything but being connected. They they are like they're already part of the matrix. They've been connected to the matrix since the minute they were born, and they just they think that it's real. They think that that part of their life is real. So when you grab these seventy two, I know you have lots of people that apply for this this program to get into the seventy two. You said you're training them to push back culture in lots of different areas. Talk to me about a little bit about what does that what's that look like as to their workplace. In other words, let's just say I think you said education was one of them. So how do you train up somebody to push back culture in education? Well, so there's, there's about three things that I look at. Um, definitely the first one would be um, being set apart is one. Uh, I think that if uh, we are to be set, like, set apart and we are to be holy, which means to be set apart because uh, God is holy, then we should be set apart in our work ethic in the workplace. Like, um, I don't believe that unbelievers should be able to look at Christians in the workplace and think that uh, they are just like everyone else, or especially lazier than everybody else. Uh, so if we are set apart, and I think that that's going to make people wonder, why are you set apart? And that's when we get the answer, because we are not working just for uh, humans here on earth. We're working unto the Lord, like the Bible says. Uh, so being set apart in our work ethic is one area to be um, city-changing, because that could create a whole new culture if Christians were known to be the hardest workers in uh, the nation. The other thing would be to um, have frequent gospel conversations. And so that means being intentional with uh, talking about what the gospel means. Um, that might be difficult in the school districts, but, you know, I've also found, in especially um, the school districts that are suffering the most, sometimes they're mostly in impoverished communities, they... They're very open to um, churches and Christians coming in, and uh, since they just need help, and that's where um, it's a very it's a sweet spot where I think the church could really help. And then um, the third thing is I think uh, having a discipleship plan for are you impacting and pouring into someone younger than yourself, and and we we're able to say uh, at least this year I know over eighty percent of that seventy two group is discipling someone younger than them. And so it's not just 72, it's actually them discipling others. And I know most of them also have someone that is discipling the 72 leaders. So it's creating a nature and normalizing discipleship. Well, and let's just take a break on on that conversation, because there's, you know, in my mind, the church has really lost its way on discipleship. And now, obviously, there are some phenomenal churches around the country, but as a body of Christ in you know, inside the four walls of the church and outside in parachurch organizations, there's so there's 
discipleship, which was supposed to be the mass multiplication factor that Jesus intended in expanding and exploding the gospel, discipleship's not really happening. What's the difference between, in your mind, and Grant or Christy, you got either one of you can answer this question, what's the difference between discipleship and mentoring? Yeah, I love that question. Uh, my The girl that I disciple actually just learned this difference, and so that was kind of fun, interesting to walk through with her. Um, but I would say that mentorship is more so asking an individual to train you or teach you in a specific area. Um, it could be, hey, would you mentor me in writing? Would you mentor me in uh, speaking abilities? We do that with our with our Sunday two programs. Some, um, and it's more of a there's more of like an end goal. I would say at the end, you don't have a skill in this, and then you develop a skill or knowledge or understanding of this. It's a lot more of a, hey, we're going to meet, sit down, talk for an hour about it. You bring questions. I'll point you to resources. Whereas discipleship uh, is a lot more the concept of follow me into my life. It's less of, oh, we're going to find the time to do coffee and more of, hey, come along with me to this meeting or join my family for dinner. Um, Those sort of life-on-life experiences where there's still totally room for conversations, um, but it's more so uh, just the, in my perspective, the picture that Jesus gave us where he did live with the disciples. Um, so that's kind of what I would say. Yeah, I would, I would comment on that, that most of, most of the Bible is not um, in a building when, when the disciples met with Jesus. In fact, Jesus did 41 miracles, only two of them were in the temple. So a lot of times we make discipleship a time at a, in a building at a place. And uh, discipleship is come and follow me, and we get to see uh, the walking on water, the uh, Sermon on the Mount, all these different experiences of healing and stuff like that, because the disciples followed him. If he just met with them once a week, I don't think they'd be prepared to turn the world upside down, like it says in Acts 17. You know, when Jesus called people, in Matthew, he, he documents in Matthew 4.19, Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I'll show you how to fish for people. And that's really... But it, it was an intentionality. Then he lived with those guys for the next three and a half years and showed them exactly what he meant. They lived, they breathed, they ate, they walked, they talked, they questioned, they answered for three and a half years so that when Jesus showed himself to be the Savior of the world, when he rose from the dead, they're like, ah, okay, this is starting to make a lot more sense to me. And when the Holy Spirit came along, okay, now I got the power. All right, we're talking today with Grant Skeldon and Christy Crock from... The Initiative Network. Find them online at initiativenetwork.org, initiativenetwork.org. And today we're talking and really focusing on their program they call The 72, which is raising up people to be Christ-loving, city-changing, church-investing, disciple-making. Really, they're talking about just making disciples of Jesus. Grant and Christy, I'm excited about this conversation well, here's what I, I want to add. Let's get personal here for a minute. I, don't, I didn't necessarily warn you I was going to do this, but I'm going to do this. Anyway, in high school, in college, when you guys... Christy, how old were you when you first gave your life to Christ? Pretty young, around seven. Okay. So as you were in high school, Grant made a comment on the last show that most of the people involved in this program, the 72, have already been involved in a mentoring and a discipleship uh, program throughout their life because they're, they're, they're at a step ahead in their spiritual growth because somebody's been investing in their lives. Talk to me about one of the people that's invested in your life. Yeah, I think of, it was around high school time. Her name was Shannon Ross, and she actually worked at the church that I went to, which I was very involved with throughout high school. And Shannon was great because she was 
the most humble and the hardest worker that I have ever seen. And not only that, but Shannon was so, so faithful uh, to share her knowledge, her the things that she had learned, lessons, advice, um, much more readily and willingly than any, any other adult that I had talked to at that time. Um, it wasn't a formal discipleship relationship, but she so impacted me to the point where um, even after leaving and, and being gone from my hometown for a couple of years, I would call her whenever I needed to talk through important decisions or, or to get advice. Um, so it's who she was and that she was so ready and willing to speak into my life, to give advice, and to, and to share with me the lessons that she had learned. So would you call that discipleship? I would call it uh, kind of like probably more mentorship uh, by proximity, I would say. Okay, but yet because of her investment in your life, your life's never been the same. Yeah. Yeah, and one thing also, Jim, because I I realized over the last year I'm such a big, like, we got to get back to making disciples, is that sometimes I can make it seem like discipleship's awesome and mentorship is nothing. And and I look back, I've kind of got convicted of that. As I look back on my life and realize, you know, there's been a lot of things I've learned from mentors that now they didn't let me follow them or they didn't let me go with them. They just met with me once, twice, maybe three times. Um, but I, I changed my paradigm in one of those conversations. And I love that I've heard you say this before, is that Jesus did both, mentorship and discipleship. Not all, not everyone got to literally go with Jesus everywhere. Now, you look at that rich young ruler who said, hey, I've done all this good stuff. What must I do to inherit eternal life? He goes, well, you just need to go and sell everything you have. It's the only conversation that's recorded. We don't know what happened to him afterwards. And he walked away despondent or no way I'm going to do that, Jesus. I can't do that. But we don't know what happened when Jesus rose from the dead. We don't know if that rich young ruler had those words rolling around in his head, bouncing around like a ping pong ball and and going, I I." If I know anything about this guy, I think that those words, they, they either haunted him the rest of his life or they haunted him till the day that he said, wow, this Jesus, he was right. I, I need to do that. And that was one's conversation he had with the guy. Yet, you know he was never the same again. It's good. It's really good. So, Grant, what about you? Who did you have disciple you? Who did you have feed into your life as a young man? The guy's name is uh, Kevin Batista. He's now a, a pastor over at First Baptist Dallas. And I was very fortunate to be discipled two weeks after uh, becoming a Christian. It was March 8, 2006, that I gave my life to Christ. And then uh, just two weeks later, he asked if he could take me under his wing. And he didn't just let me follow him. He, he gave me responsibilities that I did not deserve. Um, similar to how Jesus gave the disciples responsibilities that uh, they come back and said, hey, we told these guys not to share the gospel, and, he, and Jesus has to correct them and say, well, uh, were they against us? Uh, no, they're, then they're for us. And so he let me fail and mess up a lot, um, or I would say he let me cut off a lot of guys' ears and still uh, <laughs> fix, fix my, my issues. Well, and I really, what I wanted people to hear from your testimony, because I also, in high school, had a guy, Mike Gunderson, who fed into my life, and and if not for him, I probably would have gone in some really crazy direction, but Mike was that solid guy. He was just a few years older than me, five or six years older, but he saw something in me. He knew that I needed to be taught how to tame the 
craziness that goes into my head that makes me move at 90 miles an hour. Even as a teenager, that was evident. And and I needed yeah. somebody like that in my life. And because of him, because my youth pastor said, yeah, I'm not quite sure I really believe that you're all in for Jesus. But Mike did. And he discipled me and he mentored me. He lived life alongside of me. And, and that was powerful. And I think that that's really what I want to give people. I don't want people to be freaked out by the words disciple or mentor. But what I want people to see is that there are everybody, and we've had this conversation on I Work For Him before, everybody needs a Paul in their life, a, a Barnabas in their life, and a Timothy in their life. We always do. All, you know, you guys, as leaders of the Initiative Network, do you have a Paul in your life, somebody that is discipling you and, and holding you accountable? Do both of you have that now? Absolutely. Yeah, we both do. Okay. And, Actually, Christy is accountable that everyone on staff has to have someone like that. And that's great. And and you verify they actually meet with those people? Yeah. Check yeah. in every other week. We, we look at the numbers. It's a metric. It's a measurable in our organization. How much time do we spend with our disciples? Okay. All right. So, and everybody needs a Barnabas, somebody that's encouraging them. And, and a lot of times when we get married, that ends up being our spouse. But sometimes when you and your spouse are getting down, you need somebody from the outside to encourage you. Do you guys have people that walk alongside you that are your encouragers when, Grant, somebody tells you your hundredth idea for the day? Grant, we can't do that today. we got to focus on the one you had five weeks ago. I mean, do you have somebody that sits there and encourages you, Grant? Yeah, i got a girlfriend on staff. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but what about you, Christy? You're, you're the nuts and bolts person. You're the person that, that's putting things in a black and white, getting them down on paper, uh, doing the strategy, working the numbers, getting that stuff all done. And, and, and what about that person? That, is there a person in your life that said, Christy, yeah, but maybe you should be open to the movement of the Holy Spirit because that idea is pretty cool and and, and it, maybe it doesn't make sense on paper but it makes sense because it's god do you have somebody like that in your life yeah there are probably two two girls in dallas that i'm very close to that know me well they care about making sure that i'm known um spiritually in regards to my work in regards to um, my relationships outside of work and so um i'm very thankful very consistently to the lord for their um love and care in my life and that they really serve as a part of the body um, as they do hold me accountable. So, Christy, do you have a young lady that you're pouring your life into discipling and mentoring that person? Yes. Her name is Ruhama. She is from Ethiopia. And let me tell you, it's been a lot of fun. In the past, I've had discipleship relationships that were hard and not as fun because um, the girls just weren't very hungry um, or they weren't very inquisitive. They didn't have that learning culture. And so Ruhama brings those two things to the table that really make our discipleship relationship rich and fun. Grant, what about you? Yeah, I have a guy named Spencer and uh, also Omar. And so same thing. We One thing we wanted to say was that uh, that hunger and that, that, that desire to learn is so key. And sometimes our generation fails at that, but we've, we've tried to find young adults that have that and whenever there is that, uh, it usually goes really, really well for both parties. Well, and, and that takes us back to the 72, because it's one of the things you said you really want people that are hungry. I, I love the way you said this. I, this is great. It's probably if I was a Twitter guy and did it as well as I should every day, this is what I would put on on Twitter. Hey, you want people in the 72 that you can pour gas on their existing fire. Now, I'm a guy that grew up in yeah. the Midwest where in the middle of the winter, when we wanted to get warm, we would use gas and diesel fuel to start a bonfire. The diesel fuel to keep the to keep the gas from evaporating really quick, but you had to have an igniter. But you're talking about people that are already on fire, and you're just putting fuel on the fire. 
And, and really, Chrissy, yeah. that's what you were talking about too. Is like people that are hungry. So how? What's your? What is your hunger quotient? I mean, how do you tell whether these people are hungry for more? A big sign for me is whenever I'm discipling a girl, if she comes to me whenever we see each other and comes to me with questions, she already knows where she wants me to speak into into her life. It makes our our time together so much more focused, um, so much more clear. I actually know that what we're talking about is something that's pertinent to her life. And so that's a really big sign to me is whenever, um, and that's both. That's even a good sign if I'm not yet discipling somebody. If they just recognize, hey, I can ask Christy questions, knowing that that is a great sign for a potential discipleship relationship in the future. Hey, we're talking today with Grant Skeldon and Christy Crock from the Initiative Network. You can find about them online, initiativenetwork.org, initiativenetwork.org. And we're talking about their 72 program. And Grant, now how many graduating classes of the 72 have you had? Uh, we have three classes now. Okay. And, and and they've all been in Dallas right now, correct? Yes, they have. They have. All right. Now, the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex is a very large Metroplex. I and mean, if people ever drive around, I mean, if you take the outer ring road, it could take you an hour and a half to get all the way around with zero traffic. It's a very large complex. How many uh, – you, so you're doing it in Dallas. And do you always have a 72 going on? Uh, we take a break during the summer, and we are trying to raise up uh, a group in Fort Worth. We are definitely interested in taking it to other places. Oh, Even so- after your show, someone from Tampa reached out to me about trying to do that there. Well, and, and so you're saying if you train up people for Dallas, you don't let them to go to Fort Worth, is what you're saying? They, they, they're not allowed to go? No, no. We have something <laughs> in Fort Worth that in the Dallas group to go over there. Okay. Do you know about well, the feud between the two cities? Say that again. You cut out right in the middle of what you said. I said, yeah, there is a feud sometimes between the two cities of Dallas okay. and Fort Worth. All right, so after the last show in January, somebody called you and said, hey, can we do this in Tampa? Yes. Because yes. That's, really what I, that's what I really want to hear about is, okay, so you've, got the, you've already got it down. You've, do, you've done three classes already, which is it's really a, a how many month-long class is the 72? Eight months. Okay, so you've got three eight-month classes going on that are done. How hard would it be? be to reproduce this model in you know in major metropolitan areas around the country i mean how hard would this be to reproduce in the same way that we go where god is already moving at individuals we try to go into the same cities where god is already moving and so it it is sometimes hard because it has to be the right leaders in the right churches and so leaders that are very diverse that are coming together that are young and they're hungry to learn from the older generation and impact their city, but it also takes churches that are very diverse, and for whatever reason, they they put the kingdom before their castle, and they're working together. And so, there's a few cities we've seen that at, but it, it's rare to find that sometimes. Kingdom before castle, boy, you have got some great lines. I like that. So, as, what, <laughs> what, so what are the cities that you think? What, when's your next? Where's your next expansion point? I mean, what what part of the country do you think you're being led to go to next? Uh. Possibly Phoenix, possibly Orlando, possibly uh, maybe one day New York. Those are places where it seems to be something growing over there. Uh, maybe somewhere near Atlanta also. Um, those are places that we, we, we're seeing groups that are young that are over there that are maybe curious and interested in 
in these types of endeavors. You got some great stuff going in New York City. There's some phenomenal pastors and, and Redeemer Presbyterians up there really feeding into the millennial generation up there in their city-to-city program. Yeah. Uh, and Orlando's got huge, I mean, there's a huge movement. After the Pulse shooting, there's a huge movement of Christ in Orlando very diverse movement of the Lord in Orlando. Yeah. Uh, those are two phenomenal areas. I don't know anything about Phoenix, but I know that the Lord, that's talk about a very diverse area. Grant, just tell us again what the Initiative Network is all about. We are forming young local missionaries who are Christ-loving, city-changing, church-investing, and disciple-making. Christy, you have joined this organization because you believed in the vision cast by Grant. What was the one thing that that attracted you to this mission? Probably the initial thing that attracted me was that young adults have so much time and passion to make a deep impact, but they don't know how to orient it. Uh, They would spend so much time that was wasted towards, like, sharing, and not wasted, a little harsh. Um, Here's the deal. Say a millennial is passionate about anti-human trafficking. They could spend time on social media posting articles and sharing things that they've seen, but they have so much more skills, time, and passion that could be used for actual work in that field. Um, but they don't know where and how to orient it. That's something that we get to help a lot because we are a network and we are very connected, and so we get to connect these young adults to certain areas. And so that was probably the initial thing that really uh, tied me in, got me in. You know, Grant, you've got this program called The 72, which you are intentionally discipling people over an eight-month period to be even more effectively Christ-loving, city-changing, church-investing, disciple-making. How hard do you have of a time convincing baby boomers and Generation Xers that this generation is worth investing in? This this genera- The millennials is, an, is a generation that they need to invest in, in discipleship and mentoring. I, I mean, definitely a hard time, but I was messed up by boomers and Xers in a good way. I got discipled so early, and it, it messed me up. I started caring about things that matter when you're 40 or 50 and 60, and I think that's why a lot of young adults are prolonging adolescence, is because they don't have strong, consistent relationships with those in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, and so it's paramount to have those relationships. So it is, it is hard, but um, I think that I found that whenever an ex or a boomer does disciple a young adult who is hungry, who is wanting to learn, um, and is committed and will show up, uh, they they end up finding so much life and joy and almost a renewed a renewed passion out of mundane things because things can become monotonous, but all of a sudden something that we're just so used to, like going to a meeting or a board me- meeting or hanging out with the family, even a simple dinner uh, with your family is like just brand new to maybe a young person who's never seen family or dinner um, late at night with the family and Ugh. never gone to a board member meeting. It, it just refreshes something that can sometimes lose life. I, I, that, I have lived that life because I'm 50 and I'm a very uh, old exer. But we had my son, my daughter, son and daughter are 24 and 25, and we had their friends over all the time for, for dinner. And we have one of my son's friends said, the only family dinners I ever ate we're at your house. 
The only yeah. ones. They uh-huh. never had they never had dinner. So they never had any and dinner time is the most powerful time of the day. But we don't that's a whole other yeah. conversation for an older day. All right. The seventy two program. Grant, I asked you this question. So you you there it's an eight month program. Primarily you're focused right now on Dallas. But if somebody listening to the show today said, I'm willing to move to Dallas to be part of a program like that because I want to learn how to make an impact back in my own community after eight months, can people do that? Absolutely, absolutely. And we are in talks about what would an institute look like here in Dallas where we do allow people to kind of parachute in for a short while or a long while, uh, maybe a long time during the summer or even maybe just a week or three days uh, whenever the 72 program is going on. And we are definitely open to someone coming and actually even staying with us and getting immersed in the culture of what we do because it's all the intentionality in our culture that we want to then be carried by the young missionaries into third culture that god has them christy you get the last word speak to the lady millennials out there listening and maybe their parents that are listening to why they should be getting involved in the 72 and really people should be getting involved in discipleship i would say that and studies show that we are the most fatherless generation um, that has ever been currently um and with so much fatherlessness that just means that there's so much opportunity. Um, so my encouragement really is that people want it, and it's we're told to do it in the Bible. Um, so just encourage um, women and men to look at their lives and say, who can I choose to invest in, whether that's um, somebody older asking if they can disciple or somebody younger um, asking to be discipled. We joke sometimes about how it can feel like dating whenever you ask because you get nervous and you're like, what are they going to say? Um, so it takes a little bit of, of confidence and bravery at, at times. It, but it, it really, really does. It really does. Grant Skeldon, Christy Crock, thanks so much for being on iWork for him from the Initiative Network. You guys were awesome. Hi, Jim. Thank you. Check them out online, initiativenetwork.org. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower. My workplace, it's my mission field, but ultimately, I work for him.